This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. What a joy, privilege, and honor to be back here in this beautiful city, beautiful church with my dear friends, and looking forward to what God's going to do this morning, tonight, and Monday night. I, I've just returned from, uh, I flew in yesterday from Connecticut. I did 14 meetings there, and Pastor Bob was saying, did the people come? The place was packed. Every night, and even in the morning meetings, we had over a hundred people taking off time from work to be in those meetings. They were so hungry for God, and um, wherever there's hunger, wherever there is desire, God is at work. And so many lives were touched. You can just go on my Facebook and look, just people are commenting. I haven't solicited. But the, the miracles, the healings, the breakthroughs that took place this last week. Before there, I was in Canada, and uh, the place was packed. Every meeting, such a hunger, such a desire. And, you know, we, we hear about the negatives, what's not happening. But there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of God things that are happening throughout all the earth. And uh, I'm glad that excited you so much. Uh, there's, um, you know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, how many of you know that God raises up a standard against him? God is not going to allow the devil to get the upper hand. Uh, we're in the winning team. We're a part of the winning team, and God is on our side. And the church is not leaving ashamed and weak and struggling and defeated and broken we are leaving in glory, having done all the will of God for our generation. And there are many great things that are happening throughout all the world. There is hunger, even in America. Some of the most God-hungry people are alive in the United States right now. Maybe some of you are here this morning. If you think that you're a God-hungry, God-seeking person, then you are one of the the most God-hungry people on the face of the earth. Um, before I get into the Word, I'll, I'll give you a very brief synopsis of what's happening in global ministries and relief, and I'm just going to skim on the surface of it. Um, this year, I started a project in Colombia, Barranquilla, Atlantico, and uh, we, we chose to go for 100,000 souls this year. Now, if you know anything about my life, I don't have time for Colombia. Uh, I don't have time for another nation. I'm packed to capacity. But there is such a spiritual hunger. And one of the young men that I'm mentoring and, and uh, discipling and raising up in ministry has been working in Central South America for a few years, and he called me early in the year and said, Dr. Leon, can you please come and help me break this thing open? The churches are divided, and uh, you know we want to do a great work in this area. So I, I bought a ticket, flew over, arrived there, and um, started to minister to a few leaders. Since then, we've been able to get 250 pastors and their churches to sign a covenant agreement to work together just like you, that each one will reach one. And we've, we started that project from a handful of churches. It's now 250. We've already reached 14,000 souls. And now in November, we go into the big meeting where we launch a unity meeting where all these churches will come together, an all-night prayer meeting, and we'll go into a month of evangelism. And we're going to probably exceed 100,000 souls. That's one of the big projects that we're tackling right now. In India, we just launched, I think this week, another four schools. We um, are busy building four, five church buildings, two wells, and uh, we are working very diligently in an area where there are 40,000 villages, a handful of churches, a handful of church buildings. This year, we have planted 
five churches and I'm building the buildings for them so that they will have a place that they don't have to meet in a house or under a tree. Every village has a temple. Every village has a number of temples. And I don't want the the people who are caught in Hinduism to think that God is a cheap God. That their gods can have a building where they can worship and we have to sit under a tree. So I'm committed that wherever we plant a church to build a church. Hallelujah. And, uh, and the beautiful thing is last year we built four churches. Every one of those places from the day we opened was packed. And we're baptizing people weekly in those villages. God, and this is in a persecuted area. If you go and do research on the persecuted church, this is some of the most persecuted area in the world that we work in it. And uh, God is doing a great work. So in Maharashtra, we're just seeing a tremendous move and a shift as souls are being saved. My um, missionaries that are working there, they are literally walking in the book of Acts. People say, you know, God does not heal. I will show you miracles taking place every single day. Demons are being cast out of people every single day. And souls are being saved every single day. And the church has been added to every single day. Hallelujah. Next week, I will do a, a pastor's conference in Bloomington. I'll be home for an afternoon to see my son who lives in India. I haven't seen him for a year. I'll hug him. And then I'm going to get on a plane early morning Wednesday and fly to South Africa for two weeks. Africa, Pastor said, we've, we've, he's been there with Pastor Rob. We've just, in, in, in Kenya alone this year from Kitali, we've graduated over 400 students just in Kitali area alone. And uh, it's just still continuing a great move of God in Ethiopia. We're working in 14 villages that were a year ago were unreached. This year we've discipled 24 imams from the mosques. These are the leaders of the mosques that we've led to Christ, taken them through our Bible school and our leadership training. This is huge because if you understand the Horn of Africa, that is the seat of um, terrorism into Africa. That is where Al-Qaeda, Boko Haram uh, are, are operating from. And right in the Muslim villages, we are planting churches. Hallelujah. Again, like India, we went into the toughest area in Africa. We're working in some of the toughest area to take the gospel. Um, so India, Africa, South America, these are just some of the areas, some of the projects that we're engaged in right now. I'm not going to bore you with more detail, but I think that's doing a great work for God. Taking on, while I'm in Africa, I'll be broadcasting throughout the continent and into England as well. Uh, going uh, for souls, for leaders, for miracles. And uh, what a privilege just to be able to have that access to reach an entire continent. Every city, every town, every village has satellite coverage. And in spite of the poverty, the people have TV. And one thing you'll know about Africa, Africans love Christian TV. And uh, this is an authentic TV channel for Africa, run by Africans with a message for Africans. And uh, the people are hungry. And uh, I'll be on there also launching a brand new book as well, dedicated to that television network called Bold, and God's raising up a bold generation of believers who will take their city, their village for Christ. Hallelujah. Um, I don't have long. I've got about 40 minutes with you in the Word, and uh, I want to, maybe 30 minutes, I want to share with you today a subject as your pastor and I were talking a few weeks ago on what I'm going to do here, what I'm going to say. I chose the theme of sold out. Now, there's been a number of things I've been preaching on this year that I felt God give me, and um, I'd love to have had the time to preach all of them because I don't think anything God's given me is unimportant. The first series that I've been doing is called Great Faith, 
This year, I've wanted to grow my faith to have great faith. Jesus never complimented anyone for having little faith. In fact, he said to his disciples when they couldn't cast out a demon, they asked him why. He rebuked them because they were a faithless generation, a faithless and perverse generation that was attacking, and the demons of that generation were intimidating the disciples. And he says, it's because of your littleness of faith. And we're not going to win our generation operating in little faith. To do a great work, you've got to have great faith. To do a great work, you've got to have great faith. And this is a time not to take on small, reachable goals. This is a time to take on the impossible. I'm glad that excited you. Because this is what's going to be needed in this, what we call the last days. The last days, we have to have an accelerated pace. We have to have an increased vision, and we have to have an increased faith. And so uh, I would have loved to have shared on great faith. And uh, I've just seen breakthroughs taking place as I've been sharing on faith. The, the second message that I've been running with this year is um, I've been teaching from the book of Acts. Everyone wants to see the continued writing of the book of Acts. It says in Acts chapter 1 what Jesus began both to teach and to do. Uh, and, and notice he began. He has never finished teaching and he's never finished doing. Wherever there is a spirit-filled person, his message is going forth, his word is going out, and his power is being released, and great works are being done. And so I've been teaching on the book of Acts and uh, sharing how to walk in the continued power of God. How many of you want to see miracles in your generation? And uh, so I've been teaching on that. But one of the major things that I focused on this year is the subject of being sold out. The reason I took that is I found people are either selling out or they're being sold out. But you're giving your life to something. Someone here today is selling out or someone today is sold out. You know, Esau sold out his birthright. He, was, he gave away what God gave him, what was blessed. He gave it away because he didn't put value to the deposit of God. And, uh, you know, Joseph was sold out to the dream that God gave him. He didn't reach it overnight, but as he was faithful, God opened the doors. Uh, his brothers sold him out. But he was sold out for God. Today, there are people that are living very shallow, superficial Christian lives. And uh, I believe that it's time for change. You know, this nation is in big trouble, spiritually. And everyone with the elections coming up in a few weeks, you know that this is a pivotal time for the future of this nation. But I want to make this statement that the answer to America does not lie in the White House, but lies in God's house and your house. It is not the government that is going to ensure the safety and the prosperity of this nation, but it's God's people. This nation was forged when the people came across in, in the Mayflower and landed in Plymouth many years ago. They came to establish a nation where they could worship Jesus, not just God, but Jesus. They came here fleeing persecution to create an environment where Jesus could be honored. We have freedom of religion, but we do not just need freedom of religion. We need a nation where the gospel will go forth. Today, this nation, many Christians have left the church. We're a disconnected people that have not made the church a priority, and yet Jesus and His church are inseparable. Some people think that they can have God without church. They are mistaken. Churches are emptying because people are disillusioned with just mere religiosity. We are not a religion. We're not gathering as a sense of tradition, even though there are some good traditions. We are the people of God. 
God is in us. God is with us. God is for us. We are not saved merely to attend meetings, but we are the people of God, individually and collectively. And for this nation to have the change that is needed, the people of God are going to have to rise up to the potential of their calling. Every one of you is called, chosen, anointed, and appointed, hand-picked by God. You are deeply loved by God, and He saw something in you that you did not just evolve into this place. You did not just osmos into this place, but you were called, saved out of darkness, brought into His marvelous light, and He placed His anointing, He placed His Spirit upon you. And in fact, I want to make a statement. God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. He trusts you more than you trust yourself. You are God's carrier of love, light, power, His Word, and His glory to this generation. The least of you, I'm not talking to a, a, a pastor's gathering. I'm not talking to a gathering of missionaries. I'm talking to everyday people. You are called by God. If I was doing a pastoral meeting, my message would be phrased differently. But I'm talking about from the least, the youngest of you are handpicked by God. Now, I want to pick up on something that your pastor said, and uh, Pastor Shauna spoke about each one reach one. I want to show you an exercise. How many of you here today have been saved for 10 years or longer? Would you please wave your hand? How many of you have been saved less than five years? Would you please wave your hand? Two young men, three young men, and one slightly older, four young men. The, the guy with the beard is slightly older than the young men. But I want to show you the disproportion that is taking place in the Christian church. This is not an exercise of futility or embarrassment, but I want to show you the urgency of the hour because we're talking about sold-out people. We are not going to reach our generation by being lukewarm, half-baked, gutless, namby-pamby, weak-kneed, grovelers, but we're going to be men and women that are going to step into our destiny, potential, and calling. Now, you saw how few hands were raised indicating that the church is dying. I was in a church a few weeks ago, and I said, how many of you have been saved 20 years or longer? 100% of the hands went up. I said, let me qualify. How many of you have been saved less than 10 years? No hands. I said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is to die is gain. You are all dying. And unless Jesus comes, you're going to die. And here's the bad news is when you die, the church dies. When I was first saved, was in the Jesus people. And uh, then I went into the charismatic renewal and Pentecost and entered in. And the Pentecostals would mock the traditional churches as churches with a few little old ladies sitting on the front row. Let me tell you something. Today, if we don't have a move of God, we are no different to those traditional historic churches with a few little old ladies sitting on the front row because there is no growth. And the, listen, the Lord added daily to the church those who have been saved. He has never changed His mind about growing the church. God is not a God of subtraction. He's a God of multiplication and addition. He adds. He does not take away. So if there's a taking away, it's because hearts are not sold out to God. There's got to be a shift. There's got to be a change. I sense a, a deep calling to go higher, deeper, further than we have ever been. You are God's carrier of light, love, power, glory. It is your job 
as a believer, as someone called by God to make Jesus famous in this generation so that they may be reached, saved, and changed. Every one of you probably, if I said to you, complete this sentence, I can do all things through? How many of you know that verse? How many of you would say it's one of your favorite verses? Every verse of mine is my favorite, but that one is a favorite for right now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to ask you a few questions. What big thing are you doing that requires God's strength? The context of it was Paul was suffering in prison, and they'd sent provision, and he says, I know how to abase, I know how to abound. And Gary is suffering for the sake of the gospel, and he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to ask you something. What big thing have you taken on for the glory of God that is bigger than you breathing and living a normal, average American life? What requires the strength and the anointing and the ability and the resource of God to do something? Because every, every person who's alive right now is breathing. Everyone is getting up, going to work, doing what people do. What do we require God's strength for? We don't need God's strength to live average. We don't need God's strength to live like normal citizens. We are not normal citizens. We are citizens of heaven. We are carriers of God's light, love, and power to this generation. If we need God's strength, it's because there is a divine calling upon our lives. Is there anyone out there this morning? Ask yourself the question, what big thing am I needing God's strength to accomplish? What am I doing that is beyond what every American is doing? Getting up, breathing, eating, having a home, clothes, a car to drive, work to go to, or retirement package. You don't need God's strength to play shuffleboard in Florida. You don't need God's strength to do what average does. You need God's strength to take on the impossible. I believe we need a new level of commitment in the church. Because what, where we're at right now is not working as great as it should be. Otherwise, we wouldn't have five hands going up in a church of this size. I was in Taylorville, Illinois many years ago. You were in just down the road. So at the time I met you, and the time I met you, powerful meetings were taking place. Two days ago, I was in the same atmosphere as 20 years ago, pregnant atmosphere with miracles in the house, glory charged with expectation. How many of you know God is the unchanging God? If there's any change that's on our side, either for the good or for the worse. And I was in that area, and, um, and I, I was teaching on the importance of soul winning. Each one reach one. That was exactly what I was preaching back then. I said, we don't need the move of God to have good meetings. God never called us to have good meetings, and I'm not against having good meetings because in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. But I don't believe God is empowering our lives just to have long, good meetings. God is empowering our lives to take on something that is vital, something that is eternal, something that is great. Would you agree with that? We don't need the anointing just to fall down and lay on the carpet and get up and go do business as usual. If it's a holy anointing, it's because God is expanding our capacity of faith and vision and hope and love and life. And so I said to them, I want you to do an exercise. I want you to 
win someone this week, and for each person that you reach with the gospel, and you bring them to church, I want you to bring a candle. We had a shelf, and we started to light a candle, almost like Catholicism, except we weren't lighting candles for the dead. We were lighting candles for the alive. We lit a candle, and by the end of the week, the back wall, which the stage was about as long as this one, there was a candle going, candles going right along the length of the wall. We put the lights off, and those candles shone. And I did that as an exercise to show that when we get the anointing and we get vision and we have faith and we are, to use your words, intentional, then we will have a harvest. The thing is that we're drifting through life without a sense of focus, priority, or intentionality, and it's time for the church to recognize the urgency of the hour, and God has put an anointing upon our lives with purpose. There was a church in Scotland that was very similar to this, and the church board wanted to fire the pastor. And so they said, who have we reached this year? There's been no one. And he said, no, you are incorrect. There has been one. There's a little lad by the name of Bobby. And in our missions meeting, when the offering plate came along, he asked the the ushers to put the plate on the ground, and he got into that plate barefoot, and he stood in that plate. He said, I don't have anything to give, but I give myself. And that young man, his name was Bobby. He was actually Robert Moffat, who went on to become a great missionary to Africa, working alongside David Livingston in the taking of Southern Africa for the gospel. So even though there are a few hands that have been raised, those few hands represent great potential. I don't know who you are or what God is doing in your life, but I do like one thing about little Robbie is he put himself in that offering plate and he, he was sold out to the claims of God. He didn't just raise a hand and pray a prayer to avoid hell and make heaven, but he made himself available to God. He became a living sacrifice. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? And I saw a piece of paper here. Who has a pen for me? Just bring me a pen. Here is my definition of a living sacrifice. You get a piece of paper and you, you put your signature on and you say, this is my life and I give it to God in its entirety. That's a living sacrifice. That's what Robbie did is he gave himself to God in his entirety. He held nothing back. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's what I preached here last year when I was here. If we would give ourselves in our entirety, that's what it means to be sold out. Leon, what does it mean to be sold out? There it is. Your life. 100% given to God. Nothing held back. No secret agendas. No little private savings of your time, of your life, of your resource. Here I am, Lord. I am yours and you are mine. I hold nothing back. Who I am, who I was, who I'll ever be. I give you my past, my present, and my future. 100% of myself is given to you. In Mark chapter 10, it's a rather lengthy portion of Scripture, but I want to read most of it for you from verse 17 to 31. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do 
that I may inherit eternal life. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his word. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Jesus began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or, the, or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But, with, but many who are first will be lost and the last will be first. If I had to take that portion of Scripture and summarize it in a little phrase, I would say Jesus called everyone to be sold out. Sold out. It means to live sacrificially. Now, I notice that Jesus never told anyone else to go give all that they had to the poor in order to follow Him. He said to others, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place. He said to others, let the dead bury the dead, but you come follow me. He said to others, take up your cross and follow me. But to this rich young ruler, that was the issue. He wanted to have Jesus. He wanted to have eternal life, but he wanted to have his own way as well. If you want to avoid hell and make heaven, all you've got to do is believe, receive, call on the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. But if you want your life to be a carrier of God's life, love, glory, power, and word, if you want to make a difference, if you want your life to be meaningful, to be fruitful, then it is more than just a little prayer to avoid hell and make heaven. Then there is a requirement that 100% of you belongs to God. And I don't believe that there's one here that just wants to avoid hell and make heaven. Every one of you is called and handpicked by God. What defines being sold out as total surrender? Total surrender. It means the surrendering of your time, of your money, of your relationships, of your possessions. Everything about us belongs to Him and is readily available to Him at His requirement. Whatever He says to do, we will do. When that man walked away with his face hanging down because he had great riches, I want you to notice something, that Jesus loved him greatly. But notice Jesus didn't run after him saying, Whoa, let's cut a deal. Seeing you struggling with this thing, and it seems almost impossible to you. Why don't you just come just as you are? You keep your riches, you keep your time, you keep your life, because after all, I love you. Why don't you just come and 
taste and see that the Lord is good, and then after a period of contemplation, you may give 1%, and then later on you'll see that I'm going to provide according to uh, uh, my riches all things that you need, and then you'll give 10%, and then later on you can give 20%, and then later on you can give 50%, and you'll see that you can't outgive me, and then you'll give 100%. Notice Jesus didn't cut a deal. Notice Jesus didn't compromise. He let the man walk away. And there are many people today that are walking away from the destiny and the calling of God. God sees your potential. God's called you. God's attracted you. But you want to hold on to what's yours as yours. Now, it may work in the United States of America where you have freedom of speech and you're the land of the free and the home of brave and you can make all the decisions that you want. Your will is your will. Your ways are your ways. And you can say it the way you want and you can do it the way you want. And if we can't uh, get your own way, we can get lawyers to make sure you get your own way. We can lawyer up. We can get politicians to buy into your thing and they'll pressure the government to allow that thing to be the new normality. But it doesn't cut it in heaven. It doesn't matter how many votes they can have for it. Wrong is wrong and right is right. It doesn't matter how many people say we are narrow-minded. God's word is God's word. When he says, if any man wants to follow me, let him deny himself, then let me tell you, God's not about to change that to make it an easy way for anybody. We're living in a time when people are teaching on grace, and I teach on grace. Those who are my Bible students will know it's fundamental. It goes throughout my, my books, my teaching, the righteousness of faith, that we are not saved by our works. We are not saved by our discipline. We are not saved by our, our intelligence or by integrity. We are saved by one thing alone, that is grace. We receive it by faith. Our best works would be as soiled rags before God if it was to give us a standing in righteousness. We are purely made righteous by the blood of Jesus alone. However, grace does not call us to laziness. Grace does not call us to indifference. Grace does not call us to passivity. Grace does not call us to live our own lives in our own way with our own standards. Grace calls us to holy living. And holy living is not just a, a morality. Holy living is you 100% belong to God. Holy is W-H-O-L-L-Y. You understand? It's not just H-O-L-Y. Holy is you are holy His. And that's the problem that we're facing in the modern day church. People want, like that rich young ruler, to follow Jesus, but on their terms. They want God on their terms. They want to accommodate the things of God in the leftovers of their life. And I was thinking, honor the Lord with your first fruits. You know how I'd interpret that? Give God your best, not just of your wealth but of your health, of your time, of your family. God gets the firstborn. God gets the firstfruits. God gets the best portion. You don't give God the leftovers. Today, what it is, is we give ourselves the best and we give God the leftovers. And that's why churches are emptying out because Sundays have become just another day. We're too busy for God. When you're too busy for God, you're too busy. He is not to be accommodated in the leftovers of your time. You can't have the best for football, the best for kids' soccer, the best for t-ball, the best for shopping, the best for your gardening. God gets the best. Your career, your family, your health, your exercise, your, your interests, your hobbies come secondary to the call of God. I'm glad that excited you so much. You say, well, that sounds like a too, too big a price. Then like Jesus with the rich young ruler, so long, farewell. We can't water it down. We can't dilute this and make it acceptable for you. We didn't write the book. We didn't set the standards. 
God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one. God set the standards. All Scripture is given by God. We didn't write it. We didn't have the ability to take away what doesn't suit us in this modern generation. Oh, let's remove that. Let's remove the tithe. Let's remove holiness. Let's remove this. Because after all, we're living in modern times. The Bible was written for every generation. In fact, heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word abides forever. The flowers wither. His Word will not wither or change or pass away. It is forever established, and He's watching over His Word to perform it. When we get into alignment with the Word, it will work for us or against us. If we avoid it, there will be the repercussions of the avoiding of what is right. Jesus said, you're not blessed by what you know, you're blessed by what you do. I've got to close. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. Do you know why I am sold out, Missy? Do you know why? I'll tell you why. I'm sold out because his love compels me. I'm not sold out because of fear. I'm not sold out because of punishment. I'm not sold out because I won't be blessed. I'm sold out because He loved me so much that He gave Himself for me. And when He died, He took my place and settled for me what I could not do for myself. And I am His. He has won my heart. I'm not doing this for reward, even though there is reward. I'm doing it for one reason, love. I've met with various pastors over the last few weeks, and every one of them is telling me the same thing. People are uncommitted. People are apathetic. People are lethargic. People are not engaging. I can't get volunteers. I can't get workers. I said to, I've said the same thing to every one of them, and I'm going to say it to you. It is not commitment that is needed. It is not dealing with lethargy and apathy. What is needed is we must get back in love with God. Show me someone who is loyal, I will show you someone who's deeply in love. Show me someone who is sold out, I will show you someone who is deeply in love with God. Show me someone who will go the second mile, I'll show you someone who is deeply in love with Jesus. Someone who's living out of the revelation of Christ has won their heart and His love has arrested them on their Damascus road. I've got five minutes. What does it mean to be sold out? It means to live for Him. No, it means to die. A willingness to die. A willingness to suffer. A willingness to be inconvenienced. Now know that that is not what people want to hear anymore. But I can only quote the Master Himself. If any man wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Take up his cross as a willingness to identify in suffering. There is no other way. That's the problem is we want to avoid the truth. To make it easy, we want to tickle ears so that we can stroke egos to keep the numbers. But the problem is we keep the numbers, but the church is weakening. We are not fulfilling the mission. Jesus gave it the way it is. I don't want to live as an echo to any other man other than Jesus. I'm not trying to echo some famous preacher, even though there are many men and women that I highly admire. I'm not their echo. 
But there is one voice that I will echo, and that is the voice of God. I'm not trying to clone my ministry after any other man, though there are many men and women who are highly respected in ministry and who have set a great standard. But there is one that I want to follow, and that is Jesus, the path of the Master. And he said, that way is narrow, and few find it. Do you know why few find it? Because they don't want to pay the price. They don't want to be sold out. It's easier to sell out. But what that will do is it weakens the state of the church. And we become prayerless, we become powerless, and we don't have the harvest. So either we're going to do it God's way, or we're going to do it our way. I say it's time to make a radical shift. What about you? Do we want business as usual or do we want a world revival? Do we want to shake nations? Do we want to reach the lost, disciple the found and build the church? Isn't that what Reach One is all about? So that you can reach them, disciple them and build the church so that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea so that the latter house will be greater than the former, that we will fulfill the commission that God has put on our lives. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you be endured with power. Why? Because I'm sending you on a mission. And that was given to them 2,000 years ago. And when you said yes to Jesus, that mission was given to you. We are the continued work of Jesus on the earth. The works that I do, you shall do also. The glory the Father has given me, I give to you. You are partakers of His glory, of His power, of His faith. From faith to faith, from the faith of God to your faith. You are partakers of His glory. The glory that is given to me, I give to you. We are not in this to avoid hell and make heaven. But we're in this as the trophies of grace the celebration of all that he did that we would win our generation so that he can come again you got to give your all to him give your life to something bigger than yourself give your life for the gospel give your life to the advance of the kingdom seek first the kingdom notice seek first the kingdom the rule of god in your life and what you need will be added. Everyone is searching for the need, not for the kingdom, for the rule of God. Let's stand and I'm going to close in prayer. Tonight, I'm going to continue on this. And Monday night, I've got so much to share with you. How many of you believe that we're living in the last days? Jesus, you know, Jesus, when he died, the last days began. And when Peter, on the day of Pentecost, stood up and began to preach, he said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The last days church is a spirit-filled people, a powerful people. Our sons and our daughters prophesy. Well, for sons and daughters to prophesy, it means mothers and fathers must prophesy. He says, on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. We are carriers of the prophetic will of God, the prophetic message of God to our generation. Sold out people are carriers of God's power. That day, 3,000 souls were saved. Today, God wants to move by His power through sold-out people. Those 3,000 people got so ignited with the power of God that the Lord added daily to the church through their lives as carriers of light. It was so attractive that even in the hostility, People were saying, I want to join you. Knowing they're taking on a sentence of death. 
facing rejection from family, friends, loved ones, society itself. But they chose to. Why? Because they were so persuaded by the evidence of the anointing, the power, the word in these new disciples. Their lives became contagious, infectious. God wants our lives to be contagious, infectious with the gospel, with the power of God. Quickly in closing, how many of you feel like I'm not walking in first love, I'm not really sold out. Today I've been convicted, God's spoken to me, it's time for some change in my life. Just raise your hand all over this place. Some more. I know God's spoken to more. All right. Everyone lifting up holy hands, let me pray. We're going to continue tonight. We're going to press for breakthroughs. Lord God, here I am. Say it with me. I give my life to you. I give my all. I hold nothing back. All of me in exchange for all of you. Here I am. Send me. I'm yours. Use me. I'm yours. I'm sold out. No secret agendas. 100% of you for me. 100% of me for your glory. In Jesus' name, give God a shout of praise. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.